0: Hey friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queen's Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community and community to mission. We're gathering on Saturdays at 3pm to worship God and fellowship. If you ever have any questions or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at RedeemerQP.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. Before I start, I just wanted to share a little research finding that I found just to read from you. Um, The research says that um, it shows people in the UK are less likely to believe in God than the people of almost any other country in the world, a new study suggests. Belief in God among UK adults has declined by more than one quarter since the 1980s. It finds that belief in life after death and belief in hell has remained almost unchanged in those four decades. The research was conducted by the Policy Institute at King's College London as part of its its World's Value Survey, an international programme exploring social, political and economic, religious and cultural values and attitudes in 90 countries. In the UK, a random probability sample of 3,056 adults was analysed from March to September 2020, of whom 1,645 were from England, sorry, 523 from Scotland, 437 from wells and 446 from northern ireland this data was measured against 24 other countries and compared with revolts results from 1981 the findings were published on in may this year 2023 in the magazine church times church times anybody want to try and find that in a report called The Lost Faith, the UK's Changing Attitudes to Religion. In 1981, three-quarters of the surveyed UK adults said that they believed in God, compared with just under half, 49%, in 2022. Just, Just five countries had a lower percentage of belief in God, and those countries were China, 17%, Sweden, Japan, South Korea and Norway. Belief in heaven among the UK adults fell over the same period, but less dramatically from 57% to 41%. Despite this, the idea of heaven is still more popular than hell in the UK, so that's a great idea. In 2022, about one quarter said that they believed in hell, a figure largely unchanged in four decades. Similarly, The proportion believing in life after death has remained at about 45%, rising to 47% in the past few years. The UK respondents were more likely to believe in life after death than those of several other European countries, including France, Spain, but were less likely than respondent countries as the USA, America, Canada and Australia. Although young people in the UK were less religious than older people, they were more inclined to believe in life after death. So I'll read that to you today just to highlight, I mean, this stats that, you know, was taken from a survey of, as I said, 3,056 adults, where we know there's many more, multiple more young adults in London. So, you know, is it to fear to say they're accurate? but you know it's surveys that were taken that just shed a little bit of light and a glimpse and I suppose I say that just to share some of the landscape here in London that you know we all live in this beautiful city and as we look to do mission this is some of the challenges that some of us come across when we meet people and we talk and try to engage with them but nevertheless what we're going to look at now in the book of Ephesians we're going to see god's marvelous wonderful glorious picture of what the church looks like and who we are so we see chapter one so we see paul continues he concludes from chapter two which thomas addressed and marvelously shared with us last week laying the foundation for this week for me paul states in chapter one, three verse one he says for this reason You know, him himself, he calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of the Gentiles. When actually, you know, um, a person in prison, you'd probably consider that, you know, if it's over here in England, they'd be a prisoner of um, Her Majesty's State Prison or rather His Majesty's Prison in this term where King Charles is the King. Um, That's how you would recognise and see somebody as a prisoner over here in England at this time. But Paul did not see himself held by the chains of the Roman soldiers. He didn't consider himself as a prisoner of Rome, but he considered himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And um, we also see in in chapter 1, as he states, you know, um, you know, by the will of God. So he knows that all that he's called to do and all that he seeks to do is according to God's will. And we'll see that unfold as we continue in chapter 3, as we're looking at here. But I believe for Paul to make this statement, you know, he, he's compelled by the love that God has for him. And he knows God's plan is good. And um, I think what we can take by looking at this as well and Paul's statement is that what God allows to happen, you know, is, is for good for us, though the enemy may mean it for evil. For for we know whatever takes place in our lives, God is in control as he alone is sovereign, as we see within this text This is something we learn to actually grow into, you know, and I believe God is pleased when we demonstrate how we can show our trust in him and we find peace in him, no matter the situation as Paul, you know, whether he's under house arrest, his liberty's been taken away, but he still finds the joy to say that he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus, knowing the Lord never leaves him or forsakes him. And this is what Paul is demonstrating right here. He knew he was called to preach to the Gentiles. Now, he finds himself in prison, wondering possibly, you know, how is God's call on his life going to be fulfilled? He knows God's called him, he's in prison. So how is that going to be fulfilled? I'm sure this was not Paul's plan for his life to be, you know, imprisoned by the Roman soldiers as he was. But um, it's possible he may have thought, if he con- if he continued taking the gospel to the Jews and not the Gentiles, he may not have been in prison. Um, Acts tells us that he says in a statement, i consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the lord jesus has given me the task of testifying the good news of god's grace and we do see that he says in verse 2 that um he does say surely i have you know if they've heard about the ministration of god's grace you know um god's stewardship that god has given to him again in the book of acts it outlines and it does tell us how you know paul met with the efficient church and um, how we established that church and i believe that statement you know was helpful for them to acknowledge the administration of god's stewardship on his life to preach that paul didn't hesitate to proclaim the whole council of the lord and um we see in verse three he goes to talk about how this mystery was made known but sorry i just want to go back and just say you see verse one when he does complete and say, For this reason, I pull a prisoner from Christ on behalf of the Gentiles, he pauses there. And that's my belief. Where he pauses there, really, verse 14 would continue from where he pauses, which Thomas will take up next week. But but before he goes into this praise and this prayer about the Ephesians, you know, he continues into this discourse, what we're talking about today. But I just wanted to highlight that with that little pause. I believe as it picks back up in 14 he would have gone into that before he carries on that we're looking at right now so verse 3 we do see he talks about this mystery and that's highlighted four times we see that in verse 3 we see him talk he mentioned the mystery again in verse 4 we see that mentioned again in verse 6 and we see that mentioned again lastly in verse 9 this mystery so you know paul's insight into this mystery We hear how he came about it. We hear about that in Galatians chapter 1. Paul makes it known. But when he who had set him apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now, Paul mentions in Galatians 1 that he was set apart. We know this is what God does. We know this in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6, I believe, where Jeremiah says, you know, he knew me before I was in my mother's womb. He appointed me. So we know God is a God that appoints people. We see him do that. He done that to um, Jeremiah. We also see him doing that to Paul here, according to Galatians 1, 15 to 16. And, and then Paul, again, likewise, you know, we, we see how this mystery was revealed to him in him proclaiming the mystery of the gospel in Christ Jesus in Acts 22. While Paul was praying in the Jerusalem temple, he fell into a trance and the Lord told him, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So that's the Lord commissioning Paul, they will go far away to the Gentiles. Good news, good and good and good, sorry. God was revealing the mystery of the gospel that Gentiles are now joint hears, which we heard about last week with the fellow jews or the israelites who had the promise from god fellow citizens in the kingdom members of the same body sharing in the same divine promise in christ through their faith members of god's household and we see that you know he goes on to say there were some hints in in verse four and five we see when you read this you can perceive my insight into the mystery of the christ um when they're reading paul's letters or rather again as paul had been teaching and making known the counsel the mystery of god's will to them hopefully they could perceive that which was made known to the sons of men sorry which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed to his holy prophets by the spirit so in times past this was not made known to them but in this time when God's divine time came, this is when it was being revealed. So there were some hints indicating that some of the Gentiles would be saved, but the idea that they could come, they could become fellow ears was totally foreign concept to the Jews. Um, The Jews at the time, or rather Israel at the time, their idea that, you know, as we do read in the Old Testament, um, which, you know, is revealed in the New Testament, and again, you know, the New Testament, was hidden in the old testament but at the time in the old testament we would have seen some um gentiles maybe moabites like room or canaanites like um at jericho jericho sorry jericho the wall came down who is the name it was the prostitute rahab 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 so we see gentiles so we can see there were people that came into God's family. That was acceptable. But, you know, at the time it was under the law. The men had to, be concert, um, they had to be circumcised. And the women had to go through the purification rituals. So, you know, that is the way they viewed things. You had to come in under the law. But now things like that have changed. So, um, you know, so there were hints that God would redeem and he would save Gentiles and bring them in to a covenant with them. Isaiah also speaks in Isaiah 45, Um, the Lord's word says turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth For I am God and there is no other by me I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return to me every knee shall bow every tongue shall swear allegiance or confess to God and um we see that now don't we we see the Gentiles now confessing to God doing that so God in all of his gracious and his mercy continues to show himself faithful as he declared through his word from time forth um we also all right, all right, that's a bit good... frighten me as well like okay yep okay we got there right okay we also see in the New Testament as well we all see see a glimpse with Peter we see that in Acts chapter 10 right so we see God fulfilling his mystery of his will for the Gentiles and helping people to see his counsel fulfilled Peter also had a vision that the church was going to be one body a new creation with all the nations or so all the ethnic groups so we see that in Acts chapter 10 verse 9 to 36 where God shows he has no partiality, but in every nation, anyone, that is anybody, no matter who you are, who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to him. But he is Lord and He is Lord of all. And and we also know again that um you are his. The Galatians tells us if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, his according to the promise. For God, for sorry, Abraham believed in, brethren was accounted to him as righteousness. So likewise the promise that you know the nations would be blessed to him. Here we are seeing today. And that is what Paul was communicating to the Ephesians that they have inherited and received that promise, which was a reference to God speaking to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 3. So this is the mystery being unfolded through Paul's ministry as we enter into God's love story. And um verse 7 he goes on to say I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So we see it's the working of God's power by his spirit working through Paul. Paul says he became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace. Now, Paul was duty bound to proclaim the gospel. We know that. We hear him say that many times in Corinthians. He says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He also says in romans i am under obligation both to the greeks which are gentiles um and to the barbarians that's the kind of uneducated barbarians there both to the wise and also both to the fools so there's no um there's no exclusions that is all people and and that's the gospel today there's no exclusions that's all social economical all different classes all different groups of people that is the gospel that all are welcome and included into this gospel, no matter who you are, as long as you trust and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And, you know, he says, you know, it's God's gift given to him. And, um, you know, God gives his body, gives his people gifts. He gives each and everybody here a gift to use it in a way that we glorify him. And he demonstrates that by using and working his power through our lives, Um probably no one appreciates grace than the person who needs it most and receives it i i probably testify to that maybe we all can testify to that you know that we need god's grace you know which is sufficient for us and we don't really appreciate it until we need it and we receive it and um that is something to really rejoice in what the lord has done and and paul acknowledges that he's received god's grace um Having received grace, he was a minister of grace. So he received God's grace. We know the story about Paul. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit in a few verses as well. So Paul knew God's grace on his life. And, you know, um, again, he was set apart to minister this grace. And, um, you know, God also, you know, sorry, he knew this. This is always a purpose. This is always a purpose, right? Having received God's love, we are also to show love to others as Paul would, as Jesus ultimately do. Having received God's mercy, we're also called to show mercy to others. Having received God's forgiveness, we are called to give forgiveness to others just as God has freely forgiven us. Having received God's grace, we are to be gracious and demonstrate this to others. Having received good news and the good news of the gospel, we are likewise called to share the gospel and good news with others. So all that we receive from God, Paul is demonstrating this and communicating this to the Gentiles. And likewise, we would be classed as a Gentiles, but we're inherited and grafted into the, to the new humanity, God's church. We're also called to demonstrate that picture of the church. Verse 8, he says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable, the boundless riches of Christ. So we see Paul here, maybe, you know, it seems like a humble and a place of humility that he's speaking from. He considered himself the least of God's people, the least of the saints. Um, where do we see this meekness and this humility before? We know in um, in Philippines, Jesus, you know, he humbled himself. He showed great humility, humbled himself even to the death of the cross. And the consequence was that, that he was highly exalted um you know i heard one of our sisters pray again on thursday when we said praying. you know she quoted a nice verse from um 1 peter chapter 5 that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of god so in due season he will exalt us so you know god you know he resists the proud but you know he draws close to the humble and um you know paul's saying he's one of the least why would he say that um I, I couldn't say, but I can consider, you know, Paul, possibly he may have been in remembrance to know that um, he was one of the lead Pharisees who stood and authorised the killing of Christian believers. You know, he also, as we know in in, in Acts, um, he authorised that he was there when Stephen was stoned. So, um, you know, to witness these things, to be on a mission, going to Damascus to persecute the church god's own people you know to receive god's grace to be redeemed to understand what this mystery is all about you know um maybe he just considered himself that he weren't like the other apostles who actually hung out with jesus sat with jesus talked with jesus as i believe he's saying this Christmas, is, is like an untimely one so he met the lord at a time which was outside of that time as his apostles that were journeying with him so um you know it's a great place for us to just acknowledge that you know um the lord by his power works within the life of his church he works within the life as us as believers and um humility is a great place to be in you know as we know again the, the scripture is not by our power not by our might, but we know it's by the spirit of the lord so um you know paul is clearly demonstrating that you know a, a man that proclaimed god's word with power You know, he had been stoned, he went through so much persecution, but yet still he proclaimed God's word that the church could really get to know who they were in Christ. And here he is, seeing himself as one of the least of God's people, proclaiming the boundless, unsearchable, incomprehensible riches of Christ, the anointed one. And, And the unsearchable, boundless riches are the Gentiles. We were once outside the kingdom, but praise God, through Christ, we have been accepted to share in the inheritance and become partakers in God's glorious inheritance. We now have hope, or more so, we were talking to the Ephesians Ephesians church, but it wasn't just talking to the church, because he also does say at the start of the letter in chapter 1, that it's also to the faithful in Christ, so it's also, you know, all believers. you know they're to share in the inheritance and become partakers in god's glorious inheritance so this is what he says to us all of us you know we're partakers in that inheritance you know really when we sit and meditate what that means you know the book of 1 peter chapter 1 will give you a clearer picture of that inheritance and what it looks like again and it just tells you those wonderful promises and 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 2 peter chapter 2 also tells you the wonderful promises is given unto us they're things for us to take hold of and be a part of what all the lord is calling us to do we have hope where once upon a time we had no hope as gentiles um as a new covenant was originally established with israel the jews they was God's confidential people you know um we now enter into the new covenant and now redeemed through the blood of jesus so whoever puts their trust in him as their lord and savior whoever that will be you know um Will see Jesus as dear Lord. God awaits; He still awaits today. He invites you to come to Him if you've not come to Him already. He invites our family members, he invites our friends, he invites our work colleagues. God is still reaching out with His hand, inviting people to come to Him right now to restore them with hope and glory in His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. He always had a good plan. Sorry, He always had good plans for you and he still does this is only found in the new creation the new man christ jesus jesus where the old is done away and behold the new has come this invitation still awaits everyone today who hears it and will receive it whoever puts their trust and believes in the lord will be saved they'll be restored made new and be in a place where they will know their god their maker and enjoy and spend eternity with him in his everlasting kingdom and with this good news which we've heard about you know which has been talked about which has been preached and which has been declared um it's so beautiful again i would encourage us you know in our own times it'd be great you know if you feel to meditate throughout the week on chapter one and chapter two you know this it's just so rich when you know the apostle paul is telling the church who they are and 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 what that is, you know, he says, like Seth, you know, you are hashtag blessed. You know, God has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So though I call Seth, it's everybody else. And and, and likewise, Ellie and Elena, as we have two Ellie's in here, right? You are hashtag God chose you in Him before the foundation of this world. He really has, and um, you know, that's just a lovely, wonderful promise. And um, Nathan, likewise, you and Daisy, you know, your hashtag, you know, you, you know, in love, he predestined you for adoption as sons and daughters, you know, through Jesus Christ, according to the promise, purpose of his will. And all of us, you know, that applies to all of us. He also goes on. We have, we have forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. These are the things that God has done for us and many more. We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the promise of it. Do you get the picture of what God has done for us and all he calls us to be? Do we grasp that? Do we get it? And the wonderful thing is, we are his workmanship, which Thomas talked about last week, where his own masterwork, his poema, a work of art, I look right now at the church and I see wonderful workmanship, all that God has done in the individual life, I may not see all of that played out in full, but that is who God is telling us, who we are, we are his workmanship, you know what a workmanship is, it's something beautiful that people usually show the artwork and show it off to the world or others, it's something precious, it's something really treasured and that's what God is saying you are, yeah? You know, you're his artwork created in Christ Jesus. You're actually reborn from above, a spiritual transformation, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. Taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, live in the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to walk in. I often say, I think you will find great liberty and great freedom when you embrace this verse in ephesians 2 10 to know that god is the one who predestined you god has already mapped out for you what he has called you to do in christ jesus he's already done that the aim really is for us to sit in that and trust in that with the trials in life like the apostle paul finding himself in prison thinking how am i going to follow through on the call where the lord met him on the damascus road and told him what he's going to do imagine he's thinking I'm in prison now, how does this play out? But God is the one who has already predestined him to play out and live out his will. And likewise for us, with all of our flaws, with all of our inadequacies, I talk about myself, but if I can talk about myself, surely I can talk about the new creation because we're all flawed and that's why we all know we all need a saviour, which is Jesus Christ. But I do think if we just focus on what God says about us, and we embrace that and take it and walk in it, I think we will paint a beautiful picture of the works that the Lord has called us to do in Jesus Christ. We have so much in Christ Jesus. We have such peace, such hope, so much to rejoice in when we meditate on this truth and let it speak to us. He goes on in verse 9. And to make plain to everyone, the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So we see God, the central theme, the creator of all things. There is only one God, the sovereign Lord Almighty, who created all things, the orchestrator, the director, the producer, and Jesus, the star of that wonderful story. And he invites us all to enter into his wonderful story of creation. This mystery, should we open our hearts and receive Christ? This mystery, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is to be made known in verse 10. So God has chosen the church. The church of Jesus Christ was to be comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. The walls that once separated the Gentiles from the promise, were broken down by Jesus Christ and became open up for us all who put our trust in him. 1 Peter 1 tells us, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and me. They were not writing for themselves but for us. In the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels longed to look into. So the angels were unaware of God's providential plan of salvation for all humanity and God has chosen that this manifold wisdom should be displayed by the church. I mean, what does that look like? Imagine, we know we have an adversary, adversary Satan. Um, we'll see a little bit more about that in, in chapter six, as it tells you that we don't, you know, the wrestle that we go on with principalities, but also again, Corinthian tells us that our weapons are mighty in God for pulling them down. So this manifold wisdom, as we know, is what Paul is declaring and making known to the church, that. You know, God has called a new creation, a new humanity in one body, breaking down that wall of divide where Jews and Gentiles, all people, all ethnic groups, join together to display God's glory, to speak to the world at large that all people, no matter who they are, who has been created in God's image and likeness, but because of sin they're marred. God's wisdom and His infinite glory is for the church to display. This we know. The world cannot display the manifold wisdom of God, only the church can. And look at it, it's like this. It's like many years ago in South Africa, there was apartheid. So you just could not, blacks and whites could not join together and do things in the same place. Anybody tried to resist that, there was just great backlash. There was just great backlash. We also know in America, back in the 60s or whenever, Martin Luther King, we know These things was non-negotiable. So do you get the picture? This is how the Jews, this is how Israel saw things. The Gentiles, they're like dogs, unclean. We cannot join with them unless they come through the purification and the law. But Paul was bringing the manifold wisdom of what God had done. Paul was bringing something which was a revelation, something that they had not heard before, something that they found very hard and difficult to relate to. And this is it today with the church. This is the task of the church, to display the manifold, glorious wisdom of God, uniting all people, all different ethnic groups, no matter where they're from, that whoever comes through this door, they are welcomed, and hopefully they will come to know the God of creation. And that is the manifold wisdom we work jointly together we're a new humanity this is the focus this is what paul is telling us here who we are the the next you know chapter four five and six is going to help us to see how do we walk that out how do we live that on a daily basis that you know is demonstrated through word thoughts and deeds and action and by the spirit but these three first verses are helping us to see and believe and know the truth of God's word, who we are, and who God says we are, and how we're to respond. So, likewise, the angelic beings or the rulers and the authorities, you know, that um, you know, they they wait to see. You know, Paul Paul tells them that the intention, as I said, he says that um, let me see, verse ten. He tells them that, that um, the wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So let's say the fallen angel let's say the fallen angels and the rulers and authorities and so forth we we know satan is the prince of the airway so we know he's in he's in rebellion to god you know we know that he's trying to bring division and, and trying to disrupt all what god is doing but he does not know the full counsel of god and we say that because we know again right if if the rulers and authorities had known that, surely they would not have been in um, support that Jesus Christ would have gone to the cross. If they knew that, that would not have taken place, you know, because that's where our victory lies—Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins. Um, let me also say another little picture. I think maybe you know, let let's say um, in the book of Job, which we covered last year, Thomas broke us through that, right? We had a nice little picture again with some of the rulers and authorities. This, you know, Job told us about Satan. Going to and fro, you know, and, and God says to him, you know, have you considered my my servant Job, you know, so God knows his people, God knows his creation. But Satan thought, he thought practically, um, yeah, that's because Job has a big family. Job has wealth. Job has all these things. So each kind of challenge God, take it away. So these rulers and principalities are probably looking down there. Yeah, look at the church. So in the case with Job anyway, you know, God allowed Satan to go so far. But I would think hopefully God's manifest, manifested wisdom was demonstrated again that though Job went through a hard, rough time and he lost his children and a lot of things were taken away from him and his bodies was marred. In the end, he was—he turned out he was greatly blessed. God greatly, greatly restored him and put him back in a place that, um, you know, it's just a demonstration of God's power. Though I can imagine it was very hard to lose his children. But based on that, I can probably kind of think. This is me thinking now. So the rulers and authorities probably—they, I think—they will acknowledge that they look down on a Redeemer and figure, yeah, they're bearing God's image. I can see them, they're bearing God's likeness, children of the most High God. And when we find ourselves in difficult or challenging situations, this is just a possibility. They probably may figure, you know, wow, we have that clear opportunity to go to God in prayer. We have a clear opportunity to call upon the name of our Lord. God has given us all these promises that we read about in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And that mystery in chapter three has been clear and made known to us. I'm just thinking maybe, as I said, it's me, that these rulers and authorities, they look down and wonder, do we really see our right standing with God? Do we really see the promises that God has given to us? Do we really see that who we are? And it's not going to make us exempt from the trials because we know that litter throughout the Bible, you know we can go through trials we probably will go through trials but at the same time the bible makes us know we are more than conquerors from christ who loves us and when the fallen angels see us stand in the promises of god like paul in the roman prison but he says i'm a prisoner of christ jesus wow that just shows the victory and the manifold wisdom of god in the church so hopefully that can allow us to be encouraged no matter where we are to know the hashtag blessings that we have no matter what we're going through God is always there with us he has a wonderful plan he sees greater than what we see so verse 11 with that we see verse 11 that you know saying all of that he talks about in verse 11 According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God accomplished all of these things for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he goes on to say now in verse 11. According to his personal promises in Christ Jesus. Sorry, he goes on to say in 12. In him now, that's Christ, through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And Camden, I want to speak to you right now as you're about to embark on a journey, what the Lord will be taking you on as you go back to the States. As well as I want to encourage everybody, you know, um, that I, I just pray, you know, as we hear God's word and as we've been laboring in God's word in many ways than one. But Camden, we really, you know, have been looking and seeing God doing a wonderful thing in your life. I personally have been looking at you as a young adult and I'm really Grateful and proud of our appearance of being, you know, reflecting the image of Christ in your life and helping you to navigate while here in London, which can be a difficult city for for people who come to a a new country. But I've had the privilege of sitting with you as well and fellowshipping with you. And um, I just really want to encourage you again. I really do believe that the Lord has a bright and a beautiful plan for you. And I believe that for his church as well. But just speaking to Camden as he will be embarking on a journey so i just want to encourage you in verse um, 12 likewise camden as well as all of us that that through faith right camden you have that you know you have that pathway that god is saying to you just to enthrall him with freedom and with confidence and 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 what might that look like let me think of um novak jokovic yeah novak jokovic right yeah he's, he's on par to win tennis if he gets to find winning it, what What? would that be the sixth time he's yeah something like that but he has won on court one consecutively i think for the last 40 odd times consecutively so each time he's been to wimbledon 48 times consecutively right he's on par's wall consecutively hopefully if he wins it tomorrow that's about the sixth time for the last five years dominating Can we imagine his confidence and the freedom? He has the freedom and confidence to to pray, gifted in his craft and his gift, and he can play and he can do that. So that's the kind of confidence that we have to know, that God has given us a confidence in him. Can we embrace that? Can we take that? And even when things don't go our way according to our plans the way we expect it, can we still have the confidence to know that Jesus is still Lord? He is still with us and he still has a wonderful and a perfect plan to fulfill in our lives that we glorify him so camden i hope you run with that that you know you will have space to be exercising that and be a great light amongst your brothers and sisters or your colleagues when you go to campus there we really trust what god has been imparted in your life throughout these last few years he will use you to impart that into the lives of those around you i'm very sure of that and that's just not limited to camden It is it is also to all of the church you know God will use us to impart into the lives of those who are around us. So we have that confidence, no matter what we might struggle with, no matter what we might be just going through and cruising through, coasting through, right? But he invites us all to come to him freely and in confidence. Like, you know, you might go to Pastor Thomas or Elder David. You might go freely to them and talk to them. God gives you that confidence to go freely to him and talk to him. So let's not waste that opportunity. Let us all use that because it's when you do that, you will freely see God speak to you and then you will know beyond a doubt, he's Lord. You will know that. And then we come to the concluding verse. Verse 13. Um, Therefore, I ask you, do not lose heart. You know... At times we can lose heart or at times, you know, we can be discouraged because, you know, something may happen that we didn't expect to happen or, you know, we're enjoying the moment and then, you know, um, whether church, family, congregation members move on or they leave. We think, oh, I had a wonderful time fellowshipping with them. I was so encouraged. They really used to look out for me. They used to really edify me. Those things can seem discouraging at times. But at the same time, we're not to lose heart because God has a plan. He really does. And though Paul under arrest for the sake of the gospel, we know that, Paul asks his readers to not lose heart. Paul didn't want them to be discouraged for his sake because Paul was still being used in the service of God's eternal plan. So Paul says, my tribulations were my sufferings for you. Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians from prison, house arrest, prison, under the Roman soldiers. And it is useful for us to remember why Paul was in prison, because he lived his whole life with the passion to bring salvation to his own people, the Jews, Israel, at first. That's in Romans, nine. But on a strategic visit to Jerusalem, he had the opportunity to preach to a vast crowd on or near the Temple Mount. That's in Acts 21 through to Acts 22. And they was all right as he was preaching, as he was talking to them. They was okay. They were hearing him. But the opportunity ended in disaster because the Jews could not stand the idea of the good news of their Messiah being extended to the Gentiles. They were all right listening there, but when he said the Lord sent him to the Gentiles, as I said, like the Lord's in some of our countries and so forth, you know, people are just not having certain things. So it was at that point that it was uproar. And ensuring right put Paul in a legal dilemma. That's Acts like 20, 20, 22, 21 to 22 from which he used his right as a Roman citizen and appealed to Caesar. Now Paul was imprisoned in Rome because of that, waiting for his trial before Caesar, and there because he knew God wanted Gentiles to share the good news of the Messiah, he wasn't afraid to preach the truth. So Paul continued to fulfil his calling by the gift of God's power in his life. And that calling still goes on for us to continue to proclaim and speak and teach the good news of salvation through our Lord and our Saviour and our King, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. As he says it to them, which is your glory. Paul was being used, and probably in a greater way than he ever imagined. This Roman imprisonment produced the letters of Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians and Philemon. They all serve with a place in God's eternal plan. In the same manner, each of us has a place in the surface of God's eternal plan. Know this and work, sorry, knowing this and working towards it is a great guard against losing heart in the midst of tribulation. So remember, you are hashtag blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places where you are seated in Christ at the right hand of our Father. So finally, Jesus invites us all, whoever comes to him and may have life and have it abundantly. God grants us everlasting life through our repentance and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. He also restores us He makes us a new creation. Though we still may have things that we struggle with, though we still may have ailments that we want to be healed of, he makes us new. We become a part of his new humanity, his new creation. We are joined into his household of faith and new people learning to live and walk that out on a daily basis. And he calls us to be part of his beautiful family, working in us to be whole and complete in him. We, his church, are to demonstrate, are a demonstration of his glorious work as he's seen in us and through us, our actions, our words and our deeds, and his love that he poured out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Worship team, you can come up now. So on this glorious truth that Paul reveals to the Ephesians church and also to us. How do we walk in that? Well, we're definitely going to have situations where we're going to have opportunities to show whether we believe it or not. We definitely will find ourselves in places where things may not go exactly our way. Where we will have opportunity to acknowledge and believe that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in every places. It's not always based on externally what you see. We're also going to have times where, again, we may feel we're not doing much or nothing is happening for us. But as Ephesians once tells us, you're chosen. You may look on the pastor as you can see him living out his call and being chosen to come here to plant a church in London. But as part of the body you're also chosen to be a part of this church to enter in what the vision is for this church to preach to all people to meet all people to make god's love known through redeemer queen's park we bow our heads i just pray father god we thank you for the writings of the apostle paul lord especially in the book of Ephesians, what we've just heard. Lord, I pray that you would help us to embrace these truths. Help us, Lord, that these truths, do not just stay in our mind, but they go from our mind and our thoughts into our heart. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate our faith in believing in all you've said by walking that out. Lord, help us to walk out this mystery Lord that has been revealed and made known unto us that the rulers and authorities when they look upon us they will see Lord your new creation your new humanity fulfilling your wonderful plans and seeing the faith and trust that we have in you Lord that nothing is able to separate us from Christ so Lord again we do just thank you we love you we praise you Lord, we ask that you would continue to have your way in us. Through Christ Jesus, we pray.